Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Now, let me first of all go to Debbie Deegan. Debbie, good afternoon to you. Hello, how are you? Now, Debbie, you're a charity worker. And uh, look, this, this story, of course, has gone viral over the last few days. And this is in relation to Violetta, who's from uh, Odessa. She was 86 years of age and she was detached from her dog. And um, tell us firstly how this story started or how it came to you. Well, first of all, um, I'm not really charity working anymore. I was for about 25 years. We was, we closed our organisation about six weeks ago. Okay. But anyway, so that's just to, just to clarify, I, this is just a personal story that developed. A Russian friend of mine, I've been working in Russia for 25 years, a Russian friend of mine contacted me about four weeks ago to say that a Ukrainian family who were friends of hers were in trouble on the border of Romania. And they couldn't get the granny over the border because her paperwork was out of date. So um, could I help? And because I have connections in Eastern Europe and in general everywhere, okay. um, I, I, I knew I could kind of help a little bit. So um, this family of Granny 86 with her carrying her dog she, so she son, was literally carrying, she's 86 and she was literally well, carrying this had, Labrador. Yeah. She was a 20, her son was with her who's 65 and his wife and they'd one suitcase each and they had the dog and they'd left Ukraine um, two days before that. Um, so they had come right through the night on the train. They got to the edge of Moldova. They got a bus into Moldova. Uh, they were left in a field in the middle of nowhere in the dark having paid a fortune, I think, for the bus ticket. Um, it was snowing very badly at that stage. They then took Granny off the bus, Violetta, and um, she was kind of very, very weak at that stage. She's on a stick, as you would see from the footage. I'm sure you've seen some of the footage. Yes, I have, I have. And um, so she is a frail little bird of a thing. And they got her into a railway station at that stage with the dog, and they just didn't know if she was going to make it any further. They then eventually, after four or five days, got her over the border into Romania. And I think money may have changed hands somewhere along the way on the border yep. and to, to get her in. And um, when they got to Romania, she just she was so weak that they were carrying her and they decided that they just couldn't manage the dog in this kind of big cat box thing. And so they decided to put the dog down, Tasha. Now, Tasha is what Violetta would call her best friend. She's a 13-year-old, small little lab. And um, mm-hmm. they decided they'd put her down, um, but they just weren't able to do it. So they gave her to a family in Romania um, which completely destroyed Violetta. She was I can only imagine because she probably thought she was never going to see her again. She, she, I mean, she'd left her country behind her. She'd left her little tiny cottage that she'd spent her entire 86 years in. And now she and was, now she was leaving her dog behind her, her pride now and joy. She's leaving her dog. Yeah. I mean, the nightmare was just getting worse by the day. Then she, they, 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 we then filtered them up towards Vienna and they ended up coming back down to Dublin where I met them in the airport. And when I met Violetta, she just kept saying to me, I speak Russian and so does Violetta. I, I speak poor Russian. And yeah. um, Violetta was saying to me that my dog, my Sabaka Sabaka is a dog. And she was just devastated over her dog. And I kind of made a mental note at that point. Now, there was chaos in Dublin Airport that day with them all arriving. And I made just a mental note to myself, I'm going to find that dog if it kills me. Um, and so Violetta and her son and daughter were put on a bus to the west of Ireland. 
Uh, at that stage, they didn't know where they were going. They had no idea where the west of Ireland was, what it was, no idea. It must be and very, it must be very daunting. Sorry, on a side note, you know, when you you say there were so many people from Ukraine coming in at Dublin Airport, it was a busy time, and I don't know what the average age is, but I'm assuming most would be women and children uh, and uh, elderly people too. It must be very daunting to arrive in a country. Something some people probably never even heard of Ireland before that. They, uh, ha- they haven't. Yeah, exactly. and, and having no idea where you're going, where you're going to end up, what the future holds for you. It must be absolutely traumatic. Like, oh, I think we you couldn't even imagine it. You know, they were they were all shell shocked. Um, now they were running on adrenaline as well because they had been on flights, trains. They were trying to hold on to their luggage. They were gripping like small bags with passports in them. They no, as you say, they had no idea where they were. They were white. They hadn't eaten. The guys up in the, early, up in the airport were still in these kind of, you know, those big presses, cold presses with sandwiches every ten minutes, and they were just gone in a second. They were they because they were they starving, yeah, for days and days and days traveling. Yeah. Uh, so and they, our my little family had given away the last of the money that they had to the, the guys on the border in Romania. Um, I think to pay to get her over the border. Anyway, that's another story. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, when they got, they got settled in County Clare, I don't really want to talk mention the name of the hotel, and they got settled in County Clare, and but Violetta was not improving. I, 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 um, can, ima- I can imagine, there, uh, I suppose, that moment where, you, where they're in the hotel room and they can just literally lie down on a bed and, and have some heat and have a television yes. in front of them and to have some sort of luxuries of life again. Yeah, it must no, be a not, wonderful it's not, moment. It's not, it's not quite that luxurious. It's well, no, okay, well, well, okay, well. But it's, it's safe. It is yeah. safe, you know. Yeah. And, and the, the hotel had made borscht that night, which was so kind of them. Um, just so thoughtful to arrive into a bowl of soup that is their own soup. Yeah, of course. Um, so it was very kind. The locals were fantastic. And um, so. So anyway, once she was safe, you decided, I'm going to set out now to find the dog. No, I Tasha. didn't tell her. I didn't tell her because I didn't. I was afraid the dog, age 13, would not make all the border crossings. I also didn't know how I was going to get a dog unaccompanied because uh, through borders from Romania. So I found the dog through Violetta's granddaughter who knew pinpointed where it was had been left and so i found the do- found the family we got a, co- a moving company again i had no idea in the beginning who they were i was i wasn't very happy with them because i kind of thought these have to be dodgy if they're moving animals around europe and uh, what we paid them anyway up front there was a big contract signed which obviously meant nothing to me you know it, meant, yeah. it was in romanian but i actually got it translated in dublin and read every single line of it but still i was never going to take them to court um, and and what, so what, the had, contract was kind of like we can't be responsible for what happens well the contract was a little bit like that and it also had all the stuff on it like she has to be chipped, vaxxed uh, rabies, papers um, mm-hmm. but at that, I, the only the big fly in my ointment was that they would only bring the dog as far as the UK and I knew the UK were tricky about dogs coming in unaccompanied and also tricky about putting dogs into quarantine because of rabies the Irish had dropped those rules as long as you guaranteed to put the dog into home quarantine. Yeah. But the Brits, the British hadn't done because of Brexit. I was thinking that was my that was my big worry. 
And I also wasn't, I didn't trust the van man in the beginning either. Now, I rang him every morning and I'd say he, he thought I was like some kind of stalking lunatic. <laughs> and I asked him for a video. Where are you now? Day. Where are you now? Where are you there? Now? Are you there doing? yet? Are you there yet? Would you mind sending me a video of her today? So every day I got these little videos of her in this cage. Is the dog okay? It's like years ago when you went on holidays, put the dog on the phone to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I, I just wasn't, I just didn't really know why, what he, why was he moving animals around Europe? Yeah. I didn't even ask him that. But anyway, I, he was, as it happened anyway, I got somebody to check out his company in Romania and they were completely legitimate. And in fairness, he was a very nice guy. In fairness, I just am cynical. And uh, anyway, got through Hungary, got through Austria, got through France, um, got to the Eurostar. Uh, and then that was six o'clock on the Sunday morning. They were to come into England. I was sitting up watching my phone because he needed to ring me the minute they were in. Got, got into England. And in the meantime, I put the word out on, an, on a Ukrainian help Facebook page. And uh, because I knew nobody actually in that area of England where the Eurostar yeah. comes in. And this amazing woman popped up and said, I'll take Tasha for the week. We have a farmhouse. And they had the most beautiful farmhouse, a woman called Lisa Kay, who I don't know who she is. And so I had to Google her in case, just in case she was like, dodgy. Yeah, of course. And, um, this was like a life's mission, Debbie, at I this stage. It was like being a, I was a private investigator for dogs. <laughs> I know, I know. And, uh, but I did Google her just to make sure. I'm not even going to ask you, by the way, the cost of all this, but I, and I'm sure you yeah, bore a lot yeah, of the cost I of this. We have the cost, I'll tell you the cost in a minute. So we got, got her as far as the UK. They sent me videos straight away. They nursed her, minded her. Her back end was a bit sore, but she'd been in a van in a cage for four days. And cramped, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then I have a madcap friend in Waterford, John Darcy, and he had a black Labrador um, who fell off a cliff in Ireland four or five years ago. You may remember the story. And they found a a drone spotted her at the bottom of the cliff. A black Labrador. Oh, I do remember that story. Yeah. Yeah. And so John, I knew John would be all over the story. So I told John, so John happily said he'd go out, drive on the ferry, go to England, bring somebody with him, a dog handler, a friend. Jeez, you have a lot of around. useful friends, Debbie, can I just I, point out? <laughs> I'm telling you, I have seriously useful friends. And uh, well, I'm, I've been networking for a long time in, in the charity business and you do meet very useful of course, people. Yeah. That are, yeah. So Saran Walsh went out with him, who is a dog handler. And uh, so the two of them went off on the ferry. They drove to Solly Hull which I'd never even really heard of. No. And met Lee, this gorgeous woman called Lisa, collected Tasha, brought her back to Dublin, and then two two carloads of us went down on Sunday. And in the meantime, we had set up the the, the arrangements for Violetta to meet um, Tasha. At this stage, just to, as a blip in the ointment, Violetta had a, had a mild stroke a week ago. Oh, Ended gosh. up in Galway Hospital, no English. And uh, and I was at that stage we hadn't told her Tasha was coming. I really felt Violetta had a seriously broken heart, so we told her when she was in the hospital that Tasha was coming, and that just gave her a spirit to fight on. And so she got out. She was fine after a few days. She was fine. It was just really stress induced. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, so she sat in her chair in her little house that she's in, waiting, waiting, waiting for us to arrive on Sunday morning. Um, and then you saw the reunion. I did, I see the reunion it, online, yeah. Like lovely. It was really emotional. It I mean, was. was saying, and it was, it was worth every bit of effort, I'm sure you put into it, Debbie, to oh see, the, God, see that emotional reunion. I, yes, and um, we, like, we, are, we kind of all burst into tears at the same time because like, I'm in the charity business for a very long time working with orphans, and when you're doing that for all your life, you, you, you stop crying, really, a lot <laughs> of the time. But really, um, when I saw her with the dog, the dog lit up. Like, the dog had no idea where she was going, why she was on this journey, who all these people were. 
you know, why she was caged. And uh, the dog l- licked the face off her, completely licked the face off her. Violetta was crying. She was saying to the dog, I'm so sorry for giving you away. I couldn't oh, no. see you. And, uh, You're going to have all her audience in tears now just honestly, even thinking about that. She was repeating that the whole time. I'm so sorry I gave you away. I'm so sorry I gave you away. Uh, please forgive me. Please forgive me. This is what we could hear. Mm. And she repeated that the whole time. And it was just amazing. We took her home then and settled her down in her little, she's she staying in a little kind of a cottagey thing. And uh, she co- had her bed ready. She was tucking her out. It was just, the whole thing was unbelievably emotional, I have to say. And I have to say, you know, it's, it's stories like that. And I watched the story because it was trending on Twitter and everything over the weekend. And I watched the story. And it's stories like that that lift everybody's spirits, spirits a little bit, isn't it? Yes, and really give us a better is. understanding of the human side of what's going on. Not just, you know, of course, we hear about refugees every single day coming in from Ukraine. But it's the human side of it. And, you know, and me thinking, I mean, you described that story so well. And, when Debbie or when Violetta arrived here, that whole idea of arriving in a foreign country, not knowing what your future holds you, and without the one companion you've had for the 13 years who will give you unconditional love, your little dog, and you had to give them away. Oh, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a horrendous story with a wonderfully happy ending. Yeah, and I mean, they are two little old ladies, the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, Tasha and Violetta. I mean, Tasha is like a little old lady, the dog. She's one of those little girly, female little dogs, and she's gentle. gentle. I mean, she never... She was so gentle with everybody all the way along. Like, she was trusting people. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had no idea whether she was going to end up going to a pound, being put down. She had no idea. And still, she kept going. And uh, and Violetta is the same, the pair of them. I mean, uh, Violetta's grandmother was killed, was killed in the same cottage by Hitler's soldiers that Violetta spent her whole life living in. Like, the history is just... It's incredible. And, and now Violetta, 86 years later, is on the run from a war. Like, who would believe that's the case? And the, she you know, probably never thought years. she would go through that in her lifetime again. Never. She, yeah. I mean, never in her lifetime. Yeah. So yeah. the two of them are wrapped up, joyfully wrapped up with each other at the moment. She has to keep her home quarantined, but she doesn't mind. I mean, they're, they're wrapped up with each other. They're sleeping in each... Patasha uh, uh, was in her bed last night. And they're just, like, they are definitely best friends. They are definitely best friends. And what's, by the way, what's the feeling you get to, you know, because I haven't had really the privilege to speak to too many people from Ukraine yet. But what's the feeling? Is there a sense that, you know, with Violetta and other people that you've spoken to that, you know, this is our home now. This is where we're going to be staying. This is our future. Or is there a sense that, you know, we want to get back to Ukraine as quickly as possible and hopefully well, the sense. I mean, what what is the sense? Because I know everybody, of course, misses home and wants to be home where they're, yeah, where they're from. Yeah, it's interesting, I've spoken to quite a few because uh, I've been immersed now for the last while, but um, the sense is with a, they don't know. They just don't know. I mean, they are they going to, initially they came in thinking we're going home. Then they're watching, like I said to the hospital, make sure there's no television. Uh, when Violetta was in hospital, I was on to uh, the regional in Galway every day and I said to the nurse, just make sure there's no television on near her because Odessa was being bombed at one point and that was her hometown. Of she course, recognized yeah. it. Yeah. But so the people that are here initially thought we're all going. Oh, don't forget our men are all there. Mm-hmm. Their brothers, their uncles, their dads, their husbands are all there. So the original plan was they just came here. But but I mean, Mariupol etc. are gone now. They're I gone. know. I mean, the estimates there this morning. I know the Ukraine president was talking this morning about estimates of people that may be killed in the in the days coming of up to ten thousand people. Yeah. Uh, and the suggestion of chemical weapons, which is being investigated as well. I, I mean, know. it's it's horrendous to see it happening. It is horrendous. Like, it is horrendous. There's no doubt about it. It's horrendous. War is horrendous. I don't understand how people... No, no. That, 
you need tanks and guns. You, we should have enough. We should be involved enough the human race to be able to sit down around a table no matter what. I say, you know what, I say that all the time, Debbie, and I I don't understand war. And I, and you know, look, many years it was just men that were involved in war. Uh, Now it seems to be men and women and it doesn't really matter anymore. And I just don't understand human beings. And I I read an interesting article there last night that human beings are nine times more likely to kill each other than any other animal in the animal kingdom, which is a shocking, by the way, statistic as to why we feel we need to do that to each other, you know. But, But it is, it is shocking. And for the victims, the real victims of those who are being displaced across the world uh, currently yeah. at the moment and, and hopefully want to get back to their country if it's being rebuilt again or if this all stops at some point but it must be very difficult for them I just don't know I think once they settle their children in schools here and I think as well I mean we have we have huge social welfare stuff going on here like children, children's allowance all that free med, med, they'll get medical cards like they don't get any the, the children's allowance in Ukraine would be, you know, would be at paltry yeah oh they will have a better that's, life here there's no doubt about so, it like they would if they can get accommodation. Yeah. The accommodation well, that, is, well, that's is, the concern, isn't it, Debbie? At the moment, because we've heard over the last you know five or six days that okay, the figures at the moment we're looking at somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand uh, refugees in Ireland, uh, but those figures could rise to a hundred thousand. Now, the minister said this morning there was no idea or no mention of capping the figure, but I meant, talked about it during the week, and I felt felt. I would rather see it capped and see people being looked after who are actually here because the last thing we want to do is, you know, invite a lot of people to Ireland, you know, uh, humanitarian grounds and make sure people are looked after and end up with people on the streets because you don't know where to put them. That's the last thing I, we want. I, to- I, th- I totally agree with you. I think it has to be capped. I don't. I think the minister, if he did say that, if there's no cap to it, he needs to go around and look at the... He said it this morning. Are- he said it this morning. I, I mean, think it was Simon Coveney actually said it this morning. I mean, they need to... They need to get it sorted. Dara Bryan, sorry, Dara Bryan said it this morning. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I don't know how long people will keep them in their homes either. I think that's the thing you do initially and there's mm-hmm. an enthusiasm in the beginning. Um, I mean, I've had people stay in my home for 25 years, orphan children and adults as well. It is not an easy thing to do. Um, but I mean, we did the same, going back two years ago, not quite the same thing, I understand. You know, when we took in Syrian refugees, you know, the, at the time, the minister for d- decided that we would take X amount plus their families or, or you know, mm-hmm. family reunification mm-hmm. or whatever it happened to be. And, and the same would go for this, of course. You know, when this ends, if there's a, a mother and children here and their husband is still in Ukraine, of course, they should be invited over to, to be with them. Mm-hmm. But, but we need, I mean, we are a small economy. I mean, mm-hmm. for us to accept 100,000 people, it, it's not possible for us to accommodate, to home, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. I don't know, to, to, to fund. I just don't mm-hmm. think we can do that and do it I, properly. And I'd rather we do it properly to a smaller amount of people than do it badly I, for a larger amount. I think, uh, is it maybe, do we feel guilty maybe because we're not sending out arms and guns and tanks so that maybe, maybe. we have to do something more humanitarian? But I mean, they're talking about this modular housing. They've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. I haven't seen, is there, is there a single modular house built? I don't, I don't think, think so, no, I don't think so. Um, so I, I just don't personally but they, 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 I, all I those plans I mean Daryl Bryan mentioned this morning you know freeing up houses for fair deal which I know by the way it starts to divide people because you get all the people in Ireland going oh there's been a housing crisis here for 10 years you never did mm-hmm. that before so that, that's mm-hmm. where you start getting divisions in society and that's the last thing we need to see happening but mm-hmm. the thing about it is the people that we have, that have come into Ireland the Ukraine's people that come in we need accommodation now we don't need a plan mm-hmm. in six weeks or legislation and during mm-hmm. the summer or which they're talking about for that fair deal scheme we need it now you know, mm-hmm. and, and and I don't want to see people being put into warehouses or convention centres or whatever it is that they want to put people. That's not what we should be doing. Well, I think if you're coming to leave in a town like Maripol and you've come in here and you're totally traumatised, I mean, genuinely traumatised, 
not just like a bad headache or sick or, I mean, you're talking about really, really... Oh, post-traumatic stress, absolutely. And then you're put into a, like a warehouse on a cot bed with ne- sharing toilets with hundreds of people. With a partition I, between you and the family beside yeah, you. No, and that's not acceptable. I agree with you completely. I'd prefer to take in 20,000 to do it right. The other thing too, as I heard yesterday, the 62,000 holiday homes in Ireland, like if people were paid, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know, grand, yes. grand a month or something, and they give over their holiday homes, I think three or, three or 400 euro a month is nothing to anybody. It's not anymore in Ireland. It's not enough. I think you need to make work people's while to do it or they just, well, I mean, if I had a holiday home, you know, obviously it depends on how detached I am from what's going on in Ukraine. But if I had a holiday home that I'm normally renting out to American tourists in the summer for, say, I don't know, 700 quid mm-hmm. a week, why mm-hmm. am I going to give it to the government for 300? I'm certainly not going to do that. Yeah, you know? I totally agree. I think, we, I think the accommodation is the real, the real tricky thing. But I just don't see them. Solve. I, I mean, they had a big meeting, I think, yesterday about it. But I, I'd love to know what came out of the big meeting, because from what I'm hearing on the ground, um, it's extremely slow to get that, you know. I've heard it's a lot worse than they're than we're being told. Um, yeah, that I, that literally went at a point where people could end up homeless in the streets. Listen, Debbie, we could go into this conversation okay. forever, and, I, and it's been wonderful. But I have to say, you get the award for being the most determined and most passionate <laughs> reuniter in the world. Getting, and by the way, I didn't ask it, and you don't have to tell me how much it costs to get that dog. Oh no. It's no problem. We didn't fundraise for it at all. Actually, John Darcy and uh, Saran, who went out, I've been fundraising professionally for 25 years because I've been running a charity. And I, 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 I hope as long as I live, I never fundraise again. Um, and also my board, my ex-board that they are now, would, we'd all be against GoFundMe's and all that because we're, we've been so, so legitimate about it. And that, because people are, there's so many GoFundMe's now. now I know, that, yeah. You know, it's just so dangerous. But so John asked a few of his friends to cough up, and they did, which paid for the ferry, paid for the uh, moving company. It paid, his, I think it paid his diesel one way. And I think that was it. And okay. I th- as far as I know, and now off the top of my head, he did do a spreadsheet. It's meticulous because he's in the money business. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, the whole thing cost probably about 1,200 quid. Okay, look, it's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing because yeah. the, the, because yeah. that scene of the reunion uh, reu- when they were oh, reunited, absolutely. it's invaluable. It's priceless. You, oh, you, you couldn't pay for it. But listen, I'm going to give you a round of applause, Debbie. Well done. Thank you. Thank All you right. very much. And thank Bye. you very much for joining us today and okay. telling us the whole story. I appreciate Bye. it. There you go. Debbie Deegan, who was the woman responsible for reuniting Tasha the dog and Violetta, 86 years of age, native of Odessa in Ukraine. Uh, what a lovely story. And you know what? It's really nice to hear those kind of stories. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.